Listening Dog Media. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. He's one of England's most capped international players. Seaman is the man here. He's one of the world's most decorated goalkeepers. And it's somehow kept out by Seaman. That is a fantastic save. This is Seaman Says with David Seaman. And Seaman, what a magnificent save. Hear him. Breathtaking. Like never before. Hello and welcome to Seaman Says with me, David Seaman and Lindsay Hooper. Today's guest is a double winning goalkeeper who spent more than a decade at Arsenal. No, it's not me. It's the guy that won the first ever double at Arsenal, Mr. Bob Wilson. Bob, Dave, David described you as a, a second father figure just before you came on. Oh, right. is, is that how you feel about him? Is he like sunlight to you? Um, we have done so much together. Uh, I mean, it's a really, you know, honestly, we would fill the rest of the day, Lindsay, honestly. It, 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 from the first time that, I mean, the, the way we got to meet, I obviously knew that he was a goalkeeper at Queen's Park Rangers at the time. So I was well into that. And I, um, that was before George Graham came to me and asked about how good he was <laughs> or not. Uh, and um, yeah, it was at QPR that I first met him. And how did, Bob, how did that you, come around? Uh, Don, Don, Don Howe. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, Don Howe was a goalkeeping, not the goalkeeping coach, he was our coach. There were no such things as goalkeeping coaches when when I was playing, but Don was our main coach and um, he knew that I had sort of started goalkeeping coaching up and he came to me and he said, do you have a spare day from Arsenal? And I said, well, I don't go in there on a Wednesday. 
um, and he said, "Would you, would I come over?" So that was it, and there you were. Yeah, I remember that. With Tony Roberts. I mean, Tony Roberts, Welsh international. He's yeah. now the goalkeeping coach at Wolves. Who Tony is? Roberts. Yeah, Tony. Yeah. Which is, yeah, which is Lindsay's team, Bob. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Lindsay, I played for Wolves. Yes, I, I remember. Well, I, I don't remember myself, but I, <laughs> <laughs> but I remember Not, that you did. Yeah. I, I've got so many books of, of Wolves yesteryear. My granddad yeah. used to give me so many books to remind me that Wolves once upon a time used to be good because I, I spent yeah. so many years watching them post Steve Bull and Andy Much. I mean, that was the era that I remember. But then after that, the Mark McGee's and yeah, yeah. We, we really started to plummet. Well, my association with it came from the fact that when I was at university, we played Wolves. We played Wolves reserves or a, a combined first and reserve team, and Stan Cullis was there, and he asked me to go over. So, I I had a short time um, when I used to hitch a lift to go to Wolverhampton and play in the third team or whatever team. I played quite a few games there, mm. and then there came a big decision in my last year at university where. Um, I was engaged by that time to be married, and <laughs> Mrs. Wilson it didn't like Wolverhampton. Is that what you're about to say? <laughs> no, nothing, nothing like that. She was going to be an actress. Well, uh, she was an actress, okay. and she was coming out of university as well. And she was going to go on the stage, which which never happened professionally because the kids came along pretty quickly <laughs> after that. But um, she had no chance of progressing as a career if we were anywhere outside London at the time. And I had Arsenal knocking on the door big time by that time, Lindsay. So it was nothing against Wolves. I had a great time there. Uh, Peter Knowles was there at the time, you know, way before your time again. Um, Yeah, and and that's just the way it fell. I mean, it was unfortunate in the end that Wolves took umbrage about my... deciding I was going to Arsenal because they said that they had made me an offer, but I was an amateur. You know, I had to, I had to finish my, my school teaching career. So I, you know, I wasn't getting paid from anybody. Um, and, and what happened was that um, they demanded a fee. So very famously Arsenal being Arsenal decided that they would pay the fee that Wolves were asking for Lindsay, which was a monumental six thousand five hundred. Wow, we were talking the big bucks, which it would have been. I mean, what would that be the equivalent of now? Oh no, 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 nothing more than thirty, fifty grand, probably. I thought you were going to say a million then. <laughs> I thought you were going to say a million. No, 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 no. It, they they were different days and ages. It, it, it was quite sad because I, I had great connections there at Wolves and I still follow Wolves in my way. It's one of my teams. I was on, I was Man United. I was on Man United's book. I was on Man United's books with Nobby Styles at the time of the Munich air crash, mm. and that has never left me. I, I, that impacted on me so yeah. great. February. 1958. We were both played for England schoolboys before I became Scottish. <laughs> uh, and and uh, Nobby and I signed for Man United. And then when it came to pro time, pro um, terms, my dad wouldn't let me be a footballer. Och, son, he said. It's very Scottish dad if you recognise the accent. Och, son, football's not a proper job. Oh, no. Job. <laughs> so, yeah, so it was a, a long route for me. A very yeah. strange route. Yeah, but then, yeah, then really, you had like how many how many years at Arsenal were you there, Bob? Um, well, as a goalkeeper, I was there. I, you know, I didn't get my testimonial because I decided that I would take the television career up, 
which I, you know, yeah. hold against Arsenal a little bit, <laughs> but they are my club. I love them to bits, as you know. Yeah. Um, was it about nine? Was, Arsenal, was, a, was it about sorry? nine years? Or no, 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 no. I did. I was in my eleventh year, so I was past my testimonial, but we were in a queue. And then I got the offer to go on television and decided, and the, the club said, well, if you go, you don't get your testimonial. So that was a little bit sad, really, because I deserved my testimonial. But what did you, what did you, what did you win, Bob? <laughs> no, no, it's not so much that. It's just the fact that, you know, I arrived as a, you know, I mean, would you ever see an amateur school teacher playing in the Premier League? Now. No. 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 So I was an amateur school teacher in my first year out of university and I played 10 games in the Arsenal first team. So, you know, and that's how it began. And then I became a pro, obviously, at the end of that year and then had the 10 years as a pro and the 11th year I was the amateur school teacher. Um, you know, and it will always be my club. Yeah. Always. So in order what? of teams, Wanted. sorry, in order of teams that you look out for, Arsenal, Man United, Wolves... Yeah. Any more? Chesterfield. Any more? <laughs> um, not no. really, no. no. Not really. I mean, Chesterfield is purely very emotional and the fact that uh, not only was I born in Chesterfield and my dad, dad was the borough engineer, so they're there. Uh, my wife was there. You know, we, we were boyfriend and girlfriend when she was 11 and I was 12. Oh. <laughs> and and, and, and the, the strange and the funny thing is, because I was football mad already by then, playing in goal uh, in locally and everything, um, but the house that she lived in had an attic that overlooked the whole of the Chesterfield Saltergate, the old ground, not the new ground. Uh, it not only overlooked the, the playing pitch, it overlooked the men's toilet as well, <laughs> which, was quite, which was a great big open area. So that that's so you, you removed know, her binoculars yeah. then? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you could say yes. She learned a little bit about manhood at that time, but no, we won't go there. So Chesterfield, I would add Chesterfield to it. I, I'm always sad that Chesterfield has never ever shown any interest in my being born there or being asked back to the new ground or things like that. Because Chesterfield had an amazing reputation for goalkeepers. Yeah. Well, good, good, when I say good goalies, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, when I, when I was way back initially, it was a man called Ray Middleton who became a JP in Chesterfield alongside sitting on the bench with my mum. <laughs> so Ray Middleton then went to Derby and he used to come and collect me and take me to games, which was incredible. And then there was a lad called Ron Powell. I mean, initially way back, Sam Hardy played for England. I'm talking about now way back in yesterday, 30s and what have you or beyond. Um, and then John Osborne, uh, John Osborne, yeah. Um, Ozzy was there. And then uh, John Lukic, obviously born in Chesterfield. I was born in Chesterfield. Banksy exactly. came and played for Chesterfield. You know, I used to stand behind his goal and then at halftime go around the other end and stand behind his goal <laughs> and then found myself playing against him one, you know. It, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it, it, was, it was a great story. What, um, what would your favourite memories with Arsenal as a player be, Bob? Favourite memories of obviously has to be the double year, which is just we're into our 51st year. So sad that we were all going to meet together and um, it's all went out the window because of the pandemic. So that is really sad. The club, the club did really well in providing us all with the latest kit, as it were, and, and, a, and a book produced of the memories of 70, 71. But 
I mean, you know, and we're going to have a joke here, <laughs> I'm warning everybody, because I'm very proud to have been the first Arsenal goalkeeper to ever win the double. That is the winning the league and winning the FA Cup. And then there was another guy came along and won it twice. <laughs> and I'm telling you that before he himself is about to tell you. Yeah, exactly. I, I always say, you know, David, David came along to Arsenal partly because of me. Well, very much because of me, because George Graham asked me about how good he was when at QPR and I was doing one day a week coaching over there. Um, and, you know, I, I George Graham said, look, what do you think of him? And I said, look, this guy will be the next England goalkeeper. And he's sort of, what are you talking about? And I said, well, there's only one other guy I've seen with what I would call the presence that this guy has. And um, and he said, oh, what are you talking about? I said, well, the only goalkeeper I've seen with the presence that David Seaman has, and he's still a young guy, that's David at the time, I said, it was Pat Jennings, who was my era. Yeah, Chelsea. Northern Ireland, 120 19 caps for, for Northern Ireland. One of the great goalkeepers I'm talking about, truly great, into which, by the way, I would add my friend here, David, <laughs> which he will always go in the greats. Um, and, and, yeah, no, no. I know you too no, personally. Know. <laughs> You've got to make sure I come to another apology as well before we finish this chat. But anyway, it was it was going to George and said, George, because you know, George Graham was a teammate of mine. It wasn't like saying boss or anything to him. We were friends. We played in the same double winning side of 70-71. I said, if you buy this guy, he will be the next England goalkeeper. Uh, and and David went on to prove that and um, and had, you know, this amazing glittering career. And truly, I mean, I, I am very proud to have done what I did and finish up playing for England schoolboys and Scotland as a full international first Englishman to play, you know, once they changed the rules, if you had a Scottish mum or a Scottish dad. And and so there's so much that I am proud of, but I am probably as proud of the fact that I think I helped begin the goalkeeping coaching front. Yeah. What was it that you saw yeah. in David very early on? It was... Well, Lindsay, it was definitely it was definitely initially the presence. I mean, you can imagine me going over there. I'm not. I, you need to ask David this. You know, what did Don Howe say to you when I I'm going to bring over Bob Wilson from Arsenal? He's doing some coaching now. He's coaching the goalkeepers there, unpaid by the way, unpaid <laughs> for most most of the 28 years I coached goalkeepers. I never got any pay. Wow. But anyway, um, it was a case of of my saying to George, look. Um, he, this guy has got everything that you need. And at the time, it was John Lukic, who, who, of course, was in that famous game at Liverpool when Arsenal became champions and was a, was a truly outstanding goalkeeper. Um, but George was having a contractual argument with him at the time. And he came and he said, Willow, my nickname, Willow, he said, um, I, I think I've got to let Lukey go. And I said, well, look, you're, I promise you, you're not taking a chance with this guy. <clears throat> and um, I mean, David and I weren't as close friends as we are <laughs> and have been since at that time. It was me putting my head on the block as well, a little bit, but I had never seen anything quite like it other than the great Pat Jennings. For, for me, so, it was like so exciting because, you know, like you say, I'd do a QPR every Wednesday. So that was like just once a week, you know, um, 
one of the biggest reasons that I came over as well was that I knew that I was going to get, be getting coached by you every day. You know, so it was just such an added, added bonus on top of the fact that I was coming to Arsenal. But when I, when I first came, you know, like what you just said about with Lukey, I was under so much pressure because Lukey was a fan's favourite, weren't he? Yeah. You know, I, oh, yeah, I don't know how you put up with that, actually, yeah, David, you know, and, because but I, when, when the fans knew, as you say, when the fans knew that the boss, that George was going to likely let him go and bringing in... David Seaman, who, you know, started at Leeds and went to Peterborough <laughs> and and all the route into where you were, you know, an amazing route in. And and the fans were, went absolutely mad. So George put his head on the block yeah. there. I suppose I did too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. You know, but, but what I what I remember is, and, and, and a lot of people ask me, like, well, you know, what, what was Bob's trick? What was his secret? And I always tell them that I used to get confidence out of training. I didn't need a game to get confidence because you used to give me confidence and the other goalies as well in training, you know, and then they say to me, well, how did he do that? And I'll say, well, when we were doing drills, you know, if we, if you went in and you, you know, you normally you have about 10 shots or 12 shots, you know, if you made like a really brilliant save in the first two or three shots, you would say to us, right out you go. You know, so then that's it. That's the drill finished. But you finished on such a high. That's that was one of the Bob's tricks. You know, he used to just fill you with confidence in training. Wow. Yeah, you never got off, did you? Unless you finished with a blinder. Unless you finished with a, a, a match-winning save. And you often did it on the second or third one. Some of the other guys were still out there an hour later. Yeah. <laughs> but no, listen, I was a school teacher. So teacher, coach, coach, teacher, there is absolutely no difference. I was, you know, I mean, I was lucky that I went to the best university in this country, which Oxford and Cambridge people won't like, but it was Loughborough. Oh, and, uh, very you're much- Loughborough. Oh, yeah. I went to Loughborough as well, Bob. Yeah. Oh, well, Linda, I think I hope you back me up on this. I was there at a time when, um, well, it was an extraordinary time because on the athletics front, we had the guy who uh, was one of my groomsmen at my wedding, John Cooper, who got, got a silver medal at the Tokyo Olympics, but sadly was killed in that awful Paris air crash. Um, by that time, he was at Adidas. And Robbie Brightwell is in the room next to me. And, and I used to have to go... I used to have to go off elsewhere um, because his girlfriend, Anne Packer, yes. who won the gold medal at the Tokyo Olympics, would come in. I don't know whether you can still see me. Something's come up on my screen here. Yes, yeah, we, we can you, see Bob. you. Yeah, we can yeah. see you. Okay, so it doesn't matter that something's come up on front of the no, screen. No, no, you're good. You're good. Okay. Um, I remember coming across you, Bob, more as a broadcaster um, I, I remember being quite young, um, getting really interested in radio. I was doing hospital radio at the time. And my granddad watched everything uh, sport-wise religiously. So I, I watched a lot of match of the day that you'd been on. And you'd be, I mean, you were doing so many things at the time, grandstand, lots of different bits. And then I remember 
and, and I'm wondering what it was like being someone who'd been the recipient of this. I think you were at the Arsenal training ground and um, you were on This Is Your Life and <laughs> Michael Aspel popped up with the red book, didn't he? And I remember that episode because I was just so interested in, in learning about what you'd done. Yeah, I mean, that was that was crazy. <laughs> just, just crazy. Um, I mean, you got to... I used to, because I... Uh, the pay at the BBC wasn't terribly good. I, I was doing anything. You've not that had much good pay throughout this in your life, <laughs> it needs have you, agent. Bob? <laughs> it needs me. <laughs> I mean, I mean, my my BBC career, which lasted twenty years, and then I had eight years at ITV when when uh, I went over to them. But initially at the BBC, it was very much just football focus, and then very quickly they got me into Match of the Day with Jimmy Hill. That's what and I remember. Ultimately, a lot of, yeah, I, yeah, and then ultimately, Lindsay, I was presenting Grandstand. Um, and presenting match of the day and and fo- focus as I say I had twenty great years at the beep. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have gone if they, you know, I, I was up against a guy. I was always I was always happy and proud to to work for the beep, but I I was always going to be number two to the iconic Des Lynam. Yes. So when it came to them trying to get me to stay. Uh, it was a case of, OK, uh, who's going to be presenting the FA Cup final, the European Cup final or whatever Cup finals? You know, is it going to be shared between Des and myself? And it clearly wasn't. <clears throat> so that was the reason that really that I left the Beeb. Um, and I had 20 amazing years there. Um, I learned a lot. I, they took a huge chance on me being the first footballer to to be asked to present major programmes. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jim Jimmy was there initially um really as a pundit and then and then um i mean for me even now when i look back i am still horrified by the day when i was in the chair on the day of the hillsborough disaster i saw some of that footage because you must have also seen that and documentary um not documentary sorry it was um an and tv series wasn't it on itv and they showed some of the the footage and yeah you were you were in the studio there how harrowing for I you. was. I, I was presenting that day, and suddenly, within a very short time of the game of, of of things kicking off, not even before the game had kicked off, um, Des Des Lynam was actually at at Hillsborough that day, which is why I was presenting Grandstand because he was going to present Match of the Day later, and and that remains with me. I mean, the memory of that, of everything that was going on in my ear at the time, knowing throughout that there were bodies stacking up. Beside the scanner, um, even now I can. I, it, and we weren't allowed to do anything and say anything because obviously at the time the fans, the fans of the two teams were still around. Mm. All things were going off around Hillsborough at that time, and it was only right at the end of grandstand. You know, we're talking about grandstand coming off the air around about five o'clock in the afternoon, having gone on the air at twelve, and um, and and only in the last eight to ten minutes did I was I told that I could say that certain people had lost their lives. And I I went off the air, I think, saying, look, if you're concerned about your loved ones, any of your loved ones who might be at Hillsborough today, we are aware that eight people have lost their lives or something along those lines. And by the time we went and we all gathered afterwards, I mean, there were a lot of tears flowing because it was just, but we, by then we knew it wasn't eight or nine. And and the news came on. The main news came on. It was gone up to twenty six, and ultimately, of course, it went up to ninety six, which became ninety seven. In fact, this year, mm. um, with the guy who 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 died. So, I mean, that for me was the most um, 
difficult uh, and challenging time in my in my television career. The majority of my television career, I loved, I loved. But you, you I mean, you couldn't possibly not be affected by what happened on that day. Mm. I remember you. I remember you doing the marathon the London Marathon and having to interview people. Mm-hmm. That's one of the, like, when, as, a, as a TV presenter, I always remember you doing that, you know, and having to run with your tracky bottoms on. <laughs> yeah, but you see, you see, I, I love that because when they initially came to me and said, um, Bob, we'd like you to do some interviewing. And I said, fine, um, I will do the interviewing, but I want to do it different to what it is every year. And it was like, what, what are you talking about? You know, we want you to be in a, I said, no, I, I don't mind being in a certain place, but I want to run with the people because I was still fit enough at that time. <laughs> All I had to negotiate, I, I used to start on Tower Bridge. So I used to, on the upward slope to Tower Bridge in London over the Thames, I would be waiting there. Then I'd I'd be in contact with all the producers and editors and directors and everything and saying, oh, interesting people coming up. There's a group of people here or there's there's a person who looks as if he's come from Japan or what have you. And I would... And they'd say, okay, Bob, okay. And then they would lead me on to it. I would go alongside the person and and I would run alongside them and and do the chat and everything. And then I would switch down to Tower, the Tower of London, and, and be running under there. And I loved the fact that I was running with them. And they appreciated it because the last thing they wanted to do after the mileage that they'd done, they'd done about 15, 16 miles when they hit Tower Bridge. And they were into 22 miles when we were by uh, the Tower of London. Yeah. And they just wanted to keep running. So it was like, oh, we don't have to stop. No, I said, no, we don't have to stop. Come on, are you ready? We're going to go. And I mean, literally just put a microphone underneath them. And I, I, I love being able to do that and the fact that, that I was still fit enough to do it. Um, and the London Marathon, I think, I, I well, year after year after year, I, I loved uh, – I love so much about all of the the broadcasting career, not probably as much as my my football career, but I have been one lucky boy. I mean, I always say I have been just an incredibly lucky person. And um, and it comes back to Arsenal, really, because as the amateur school teacher who eventually had great success, um, I, you know, I, I, I find it amazing that people... Even now, they stop me. They hear my voice, which is getting a bit rusty in my old age. And people can be in a group, and people turn around and said, "Oh, you're Bob Wilson." <laughs> so it's it's you know it's it's been I have been one one lucky boy really. Very. <laughs> and without and without Arsenal, I was going to say without Arsenal, there would be no sort of Bob Wilson as the public have eventually come to know me. Yeah, and even yeah. and even as David knows this because he is one of my closest friends and pals, and um, he's been my best man twice, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to get into that. And yeah, Aww. and it was a diff- it was a different speech each time. I know that. <laughs> I remember the the second time he started off his speech. He went getting a feeling of deja vu here. <laughs> Yeah, well, <laughs> I know Frankie's got you under control anyway. Yes, so definitely. There is no, there, there is no question of that. But um, yeah, I mean, we have had an amazing friendship, and I was about to say that David has been 
Um, once we had lost our daughter, Anna, with a very rare form of cancer, and, and in fact, her last trip out had been to David's house, yeah. had been out Aww. for supper. It was the last time before Anna um, succumbed to her amazing five, six-year battle with the cancer. And then to be now 22 years into the Willow Foundation, yeah. then set up in Anna's memory, and, I mean, the, the forefront of that has been the goalie, David. He has been there. I mean, we've got wonderful other ambassadors. We've got a wonderful team of ambassadors. And somehow throughout the pandemic and everything, we've managed to survive. And and Willow continues. Yeah. And, and in fact, even in the pandemic, we were able to provide what we call special treats, uh, positivity packs. And those were so successful that alongside our normal, because we're back up and running now, thank goodness, and having the normal special day, whether it be in London or wherever it might be or, or whatever it might incur, uh, we now include exactly what we were doing uh, during lockdown. So in that way, lockdown's been really useful. Wow. So you, you, you're carrying on the um, like the packs now uh, yeah, like alongside this, these special days? Yeah, the reason being really that the you know we're talking about end of life in in the vast majority of what we do. Willow gives special days for seriously ill young adults, specifically in the age group sixteen to forty. The only UK charity that dedicates itself to that, and we're talking in the main about end of life, life threatening illness all the time, in the same way that Anna had it, and and so um, so many people have heard about. Well, it's it's there within our offer now of do you want a special day? Do you want to meet David Seaman? <laughs> do you want to meet whoever? Do you want to go to London to a show? Do you want whatever it might be? We ask them what they 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 want to do. But now um, we've embraced those special treats, as we call them, or positivity packs, because often we're at the end of life with certain people and it and and always within them i might add it's not just the the individual either the lady or the gent it is the kids mm. and so within the positivity packs we always have these incredible packages for the kids as well and and it's hugely successful oh, it is you know and, and i've seen i've seen people's faces you know because like you say i've I've been part of the special days and like when you, you bring them, you used to bring them to the Arsenal training ground or to the matches and that, and I've met them afterwards and the smile on their faces is something that I will never, ever forget. You know, they're going through all sorts, aren't they? They're going through all, all sorts of different treatments, drugs, all, all that sort of stuff. But then when they have their special day, it's just a time to forget everything and enjoy that special day. And yeah, yeah. You know, I'll never, ever forget the smile on their faces. Yeah, and, and in fact, you, you know, we talk about a special day and the incredible thing, and it's just replicating exactly what we found with Anna. If Anna had her next uh, Take That concert, she loved Take That. Um, Good taste. Robbie Williams. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he loved Robbie Williams and everything. And Anna would be, you know, oh, goodness, going through all the massive, well, 16 life-saving operations. <laughs> And, and then she'd suddenly say, do you know what? It's only 10 days to the Take That concert or the Barbara Streisand concert or the next Arsenal Cup final because she was into all that. <laughs> um, very famously, David dedicated one Cup final to Anna, yeah. which, which I will always remember. But anyway, uh, we suddenly saw a change in her. It was suddenly, it was, it was an excitement where day, day to day she was finding about, you no, know, did she have to face another op? How was she going to come through her chemo and everything else like that? And then when the day happened, I mean, she would be so excited on her special and the special days. 
And then it would last for five or six, seven or eight days after that. I mean, the best example was the This Is Your Life program that you mentioned, Lindsay, because Anna was, I was on the training ground when when Jill Dando and Michael came and and I looked around and I, I <laughs> what the hell are you doing? You know, what are you doing? And and suddenly that they produced the book and I said, oh, no, 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 I can't do this. I'm sorry, can you stop the cameras? Can't do this. Anna's too ill. And they said, Bob, hang on a minute. And Jill got a phone and passed me the phone. Dad, I'm ready to party. <laughs> she and she and her mum, Megs, were on the way already to the studio at that oh. time. Dad, I'm ready yeah. to party. Yeah, so it was- and, and it, it, it was extraordinary, and it lasted. You know, we it was on uh, December. Oh, sorry, on November the second. November the 1st, November the 2nd yeah. in 1998. And and it was the last time Anna was able to see her family and everybody. She died just one month later. And and it was just, it was incredible. And and obviously by that time, she she said to her mum and, and to me, but, um, you know, mum, dad, use what you've learned. Don't let this thing destroy you. And after Anna had left us, Megs was like, I'm not sure what she meant. What have we learned? Did we learn a horrendous illness? And and it was then a realization. Meg suddenly went to medical professionals and everybody said, Look, I know, you know, you can't give, you know, that when it's a life-threatening, life-limiting illness, but we can give some positivity within that. And and that became that became Anna's Anna's way of coping with her illness became the starting of the Willow Foundation and and everything that's followed, 22,000 special days given now in the years that we've been up and running. So really incredible. And what a legacy. You've got all these things and and so many different things that you're leaving behind um, for everyone to to benefit from in the future, which not not everybody has that that ability to do that, Bob. So it's um, it's incredible. No, no, well, I mean, I'm under orders. I have a a wife. (laughs) (laughs) I know my place within this household. <laughs> no, I think we're a good team. You know, I I have a huge uh, value to the charity and so much that whatever fame that I might have had from my television life and my football life um, is hugely valuable in being able to bring on board people who believe in what we do and very um, successful business people who then decide to support Willow Mm -hmm. and Meg's ability is her ability to day by day by day with our office up in Welling Garden City. You know, we were, we were up to 40 staff that lost quite a few staff during lockdown uh, that Meg's is able to on a daily basis, be in touch with the charity, what we're doing Uh, because we're getting, you know, we're getting to, I've just hit my 80th. (laughs) The day he turned up by the way. He, he wasn't know. allowed to turn up. I'm not. I'm not going. I'm not going into any parliaments or anything. We were allowed to. Yeah. We were allowed to do it at the time. <laughs> we weren't. Break, we weren't breaking any lockdown rules and everything. Um, so it, it it has been an amazing legacy. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm I'm quite embarrassed that I received the OBE for my services to charity. Um, Why are you embarrassed? Well. <laughs> I tell you, I'm why I'm, bar- I'm embarrassed because it should certainly have been ahead of me, my wife. And okay, I have the public face; she doesn't have the public face. 
And in fact, I mean, I'll tell you this, for one day I told the family I'm saying no. Right. I've not actually said this to many people, but I said, I'm saying, no, I don't deserve this. Okay, I know my value to the charity. I know how, how it is to be the front of the charity, to be the famous face, as it were, to be able to stand up and, and to bring people on board. So I understand that now, but uh, it was on a daily basis that Willow was created and out of a back bedroom in Brookmans Park in Hertfordshire for several years before we then had our first staff and then have finished up now with around about 40 staff in order to to make willow but megs deserved that far more than i did and it was only in the end my own family and particularly meg saying you know i'm off if you don't accept this <laughs> she didn't say that by the way but but it was a case of saying look they are they are recognizing the work of willow mm-hmm. and and on that part i accepted the OBE mm. um, on behalf of the team. I, I on behalf of the team, but I do I do wish that that, uh, that her work had been recognised in the same way. Yeah, yeah. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Speaking of team, Bob, what are you, yeah. what are you thinking of the um, the current Arsenal? I, I, I am... I'm positive. Yeah. I'm positive because when I see them playing against probably the best team in Europe and being the better team on the pitch and deserving to win and only being robbed by ridiculous VAR and officials. <laughs> and I know I'm going on a rant here, but I am o- I'm old school. And when I see VAR and the, the misuse of it and the referees and their arrogance and their ability to do one thing and say, oh, yeah, I'll go and check that and then have an incident certainly in the Manchester City game, which I'm talking about, and not even go and check it, yeah. uh, where it was a clear, you know, it would have put us 2-0 up at the time. The Man City guys, and and, and uh, they were all brilliant because they all acknowledged that Arsenal on the day were, were great. So I see that side of them, and then I see the Nottingham Forest performance, and I, I'm like, I'm, I'm in despair because this is my team, I love it. And the moment I look at the team selection for the day, I think we're struggling. Yeah, I actually, you know, I'm of a school where there were 17 man squads and it's 25 plus now. And in my time, in my day, I played every minute of every game throughout the season, 42 league games. And in all, I played 75 games that season Mm. in the goal. And Jeff Barnett, who was my understudy, never got a game other than in the reserve. And I would, I I'm believe you have to play your best team. So I am old school in that thinking. And certainly if you look at Chelsea at the moment, having to play three games in whew, in such a short time, I, I think that's that's grossly unfair. Yeah. But anyway, it's um, it, it, uh, I do find certain things about the game. And I think I'm allowed at 80 to have a say about, <laughs> about certainly things. Until they get, by the way, on VAR, until they get alongside them, a former professional player yeah. to go alongside the former or current referees who are sitting 
making their ju- their initial judgments and asking the, the referee to either, oh, no, it's definitely not, or it definitely is offside or whatever, until you get one uh, former player. So you would never have David or myself, for instance, sitting in a game that involves Tottenham because we would be judged by us. So fine, you understand that. But you, what I'm saying is that only a player will be able to really make a referee say, look, you got it wrong. He's yeah. cheating. Yeah. He's cheating there. Especially like on I mean, the cheating I... or sometimes the tattles as well. I think that's when we can tell, Yeah, you know, whether, yeah. whether it is intentional or whether it's accidental. Yeah, can I, can David? I, I, you and I spoke about this on the first game of the season for Arsenal. Now they'd still have lost one nil at Brentford. Yeah, they would still have lost it. So, so forget that side of it. Brentford scored a second right towards the end of the game when Burned Leno has his arm trapped clearly yeah. into his body, so he can't get his arms up. He can't get his arms yeah. in the air at anything. It's the most obvious. If if you had a pro there, you'd just say, oh, you've got to disallow that. Yeah. That is the clearest. And I'm not just defending goalkeepers here. You see it all over the pitch. They do not understand what is cheating, conning, and that side of the game, which is which is really sad. I mean, it, it, it's not even better than in my day and age when I played 50 years ago, when when legs were broken on a regular basis and, and it was accepted. First, you know, first, you, well, in my day, it was the first tattles free. In your day, it's probably the first tenor free. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you're right. You're who right. who so, currently, uh, Bob, I, do you really like goalkeeping-wise? Uh, that's really interesting now. I mean, I, I, let me come... I want to f- finish with Aaron Ramsdale because I know the goalie, David, has played a part in this as well. But as I look at the moment, um, I'm looking I'm looking at the Chelsea goal. Well, uh, there are some obviously some really, really, really terrific goalkeepers yeah. around. Um, and I like um, I like the Chelsea goalkeeper. Which one, oh, Mendy or um, yeah, Mendy. Mendy? I was saying Mendy. <laughs> yeah. Um, because I mean, funnily enough, but it just shows you how you can have a second life. I mean, when I was at Arsenal as the amateur school teacher, I played ten first team games and then disappeared for three years, <laughs> and then came back and eventually had success. So, so I, I'm. I, it's great that Kepa. Arisa Balaga has has come good suddenly when Mendy's away, uh, but Mendy I've been most impressed with. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and then, I mean, obviously we're going to get round to yeah. Arsenal signing of Aaron Ramsdale, and I live in Christchurch near to Bournemouth, so I, I, I had a sort of almost weekly. I was interested in this lad. Bournemouth, an amazing thing Eddie Howe did to keep Bournemouth there for five or six years in the Premier League. And then they got relegated and Ramsdale was player of the year. And he went to Sheffield United and they got relegated. <laughs> he must away. have felt cursed at one point, yeah. <laughs> and then he comes to Arsenal and I'm thinking, wow, that, that's interesting. It wasn't an immediate, because I'm looking at the age and thinking, well, he's had he's had the experience of the horror stories and he's a terrific goalie. He's been player of the year. He's kept them even in with a chance on both the clubs he's played with. And then he's hit the ground running and... Whether he likes it or not, because I know this is true, I was so in admiration of the fact that one of his first requests when he got got there was to ask the club, is it possible to get this old geezer called David (laughs) Seaman and come and see me? Because he used to play for the club and I admire him. And I'm I'm so in admiration of, of, of Aaron Ramsdale's ability to do that. 
and and I've spoken to David about it and what they talked about. I think that's I think that was was quite incredible. And I see him at twenty three. Um, I I do have I do have something that I I think the goalie knows this from me. I'm talking about David now knows that I would have one word with him at this moment to say, look, whatever you're doing brilliantly, Aaron, you are, you know, the save at Leicester is sensational. One of the great saves ever, like the Seaman save in the <laughs> cup final, or in a cup semi-final and, and, and like some of the great Banksy savers and everything like that. I said, but there is one thing you, you need to restrain from doing. And is that, and that is, definitely yelling so publicly to those in front of you who make a mistake. Yeah. Mm. I mean, Good I think, point, Bob, do you yeah. agree with me? Yeah. Do you agree with me? Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with you. I, I always used to say, and, I, and we had this like code with the, with my defence, you know, like we don't shout at each other. If you make a mistake, we talk about it afterwards. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and that, yeah, that surprised me that when you just said that, but you, you find you're dead right. You know, he does need to be just a little bit aware of, because at the moment he's not making any mistakes, you know, and if he does make a mistake, then because he's he's having a go at his defenders, the defender gives them a right to have a go back at him. And I, I don't I don't feel that that, that gains anything on the pitch, um, you know, because it's things too get public, said. It's yeah. too public. You can do it. You did, you did it in your own way. I mean, I'm looking back at Frank McClintock with our captain, amazing out the gorbles in Glasgow in Scotland. And he would be in my face. You know, I can still yeah. feel him in my face. Willow, you do, you know. Uh, but he was doing it just to me. You, probably people could tell that he was telling me off or whatever, but he did it in a, in a way that you, you you could do it, but not sort of clearly yeah. waving his arms and everything. It's the only criticism <clears throat> I have of him. His distribution at the moment at times is, is amazing as well. Um, I, I'm, I'm sort of in awe of him because although I was admiring the way he has dealt with the Bournemouth and the Sheffield United situation, I could never have predicted that he would hit the ground yeah. running the way he has and been instrumental in Arsenal being in a fourth or fifth position at this moment. Yeah. Well, people along with along with a group of young kids who they can keep together. Mm. And it, and it is basically well it is the youngest team in the yeah. Premier League. What what and what so, made me so impressed about him or oh, was when when he first came, he was getting quite a bit of stick, wasn't he? You know, it's like you know, why have Arsenal paid that much money for a number two? You know, because they didn't really see him overtaking Lino. But then when he got in, it was a very similar situation to to me. You know, where he was getting a bit of stick when he came to the club, which I was getting when I when I took over from John. <clears throat> then Aaron took over from Lino, and then then he just he just became this this guy that the fans just loved. You know, and he's he's dealt with that really well. You know, yeah. you see him when he runs out, you know, he's he's applauding the fans straight away and you know, but and everything's going really well for him at the moment. But you know, it's just something that it's great to hear as well. Arsenal fans singing England's number one again. <laughs> and it's not to me. But, um, but you're, yeah, but you you know, you are talking about person, real personality. I mean, you're being hard on yourself. You never, you came in and won the league in your first season there. Yeah. You know, uh, you, 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 you fulfilled everything. I mean, they were all there. Lukey had won. Lukey will never be forgotten for the 89 game at Anfield. Yeah. 
You know, any of those guys who played that day, David Brocastle, the late David Brocastle, but, uh, and Lukey will be remembered for, for his success and everything. But, you know, I mean, you, you, you're really hard on yourself because <laughs> by the end of that first season, you've won the league. Yeah, you, yeah. you know, you, you, you won the double twice. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, guys, because we were talking about that earlier on, because Bobby in training would always say to me, yeah, but I'm the only goalkeeper that's won the double at Arsenal. <laughs> this was before we we did it in 98, you know, and so it was something, it was like a, it was Bob's little motivation, I think, you know, and then, you know, when when, when we did it in 98, I was like, yes, I've equaled Bob, I've got a double. And then we go and do it in 2002 and I'm like, yeah, Bob, double, double. <laughs> so it's our little in-joke, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's... Um, yeah, but what we're talking yeah. about, Bob, I, we're talking about winning trophies, aren't we? You know, doubles, yeah. double, double, yeah. all that sort of stuff. And, uh, you know, at, at the moment, and that's what I was going to say to you about when you said about the Knott's Forest game. You know, when you look at Arsenal at the moment, our only realistic chance of winning silverware is, is, the, is the Cups. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. so that's why it's so I mean, frustrating with what he put out against Knott's Forest. Yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not enough. I mean, we're talking about Arsenal. You know, and people say, "Oh, you're biased." Yeah, I'm biased to a degree. But if you're, if you're, if you sat down and you said, "Look," in comparison at this moment against Manchester City and Chelsea, any side is struggling. Yeah, shouldn't be Man United because they have the money as well. But I'm talking about obviously Sheikh Mansour, and I'm talking about Abramovich at Chelsea, and you have that. So I'm looking then at the owners of Arsenal, Cronky, Mr. Cronky. And, we, and 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 whatever is going is not is not in comparison. But I am talking about Arsenal Football Club. And if you look at it, you know, after Manchester Manchester United and Liverpool, Arsenal Football Club have won more, more trophies in their history than any other club. You know, thirteen league titles, including the Invincibles, only done in year whatever when there were eighteen teams playing in the league. 14 FA Cups, I think it is now, League Cups, European Fairs Cup, uh, the Cup Winners' Cup. Um, it, it, it's, it's a massive amount of trophies, and it's only third, it's third only to the two great Northwestern clubs yeah. of Liverpool and Manchester United. And so that's why I hope Arsenal, I mean, I, I do hope Mr. Cronkey understands that having been accepted as the guy to be responsible for helping in on, on bringing players into the club on the monetary side, that, that the history of the club, mm. it is the history of the club and, and the, and obviously the fans that have always supported that club. Yeah. Hello. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I was so excited to get you on, pal. <laughs> well, I'm I'm glad we've left a few things out of this. <laughs> <laughs> that will be part two, Bob. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I, I yeah, I really enjoyed it. I mean, David knows um, how much I have admired his career and um, and everything you know that he achieved at Arsenal for the club and and for himself. Because um, ultimately, when when you finish your playing career. I mean, I look around now and I look at, um, you know, I can reach out and see a modern day glove. (laughs) (laughs) 
And my <laughs> that glove. was your glove. Wow. There's my glove. Oh, wow. Take to the side. The goalie, he's got one of these. Yeah. <laughs> he's got one of my cut final gloves that was in the back of the net. This green cotton useless yeah. glove compared to the 265 pound <laughs> current day gloves that there are. Yeah. So yeah, you know what he yeah. used to do. So when when we were in the cup final or or you know like a big big game, he would always like leave a little like package on my plate on, with my kit, <laughs> you know, and it would be like you know I I could save gold in these gloves. Now you you go and show them what you can do in your gloves. <laughs> And the other one was the waste packet, weren't it, Bob? Oh. <laughs> that 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 was yeah. That was yeah. in the wedding. He, he he walked in. He, he went he went with a, with a little brown envelope. He went. Well, this was David Seaman. No, this was my waste packet back in the day. And then he went out and he came back with a massive sack on his back, walked <laughs> through, and said, "This is David Seaman's waste packet now." <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, and now I if mean, you had I'm, Aaron I'm Ramsdale's sure. coming in as well. Oh, exactly. They have been plus. And yeah, I'm sure. And listen, I'm sure. I mean, all of us. I mean, David knows just how, uh, what an amazing career he had, and 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 what it's given him in in life. And I, you know, in my own time and everything, it just gave me not only a fantastic career at the club that I will love forever, but it also gave me the leg up for taking over and having another career 28 years that my my broadcasting career mm. ended before the you know yeah. it, inevitably yeah. it, it received the, the <laughs> knife in the back <laughs> yeah as, as i said earlier bob when you mentioned about your obe it's all about the team and me and you were a yeah. great team yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and that and that that will always be the case and um yeah david knows that if there is anything anything that he would want me to do and support i would be there yeah. and i know similarly <laughs> vice versa exactly. that if i'm in trouble in any way if the charity needs anything he would be there and that is friendship beyond friendship <laughs> love that bob yeah Aww. cool oh it's been yeah. an absolute okay. pleasure really nice to meet you bob <laughs> Well, and you, Lindsay. It's quite funny this is because I thought when you were there that we were talking off, off whatever, <laughs> and only after about twenty minutes did I realise that we were recording. Great. <laughs> <laughs> right. oh, well, we, we did that with with Peter Schmeichel, and he went on a massive rant about the World Cup and FIFA or something. Um, yeah. And we were like, Peter, we are recording. He's like, oh, no, I can't say that. I can't say that. <laughs> can't have that in. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah. I love it. Cool. Love it. I hope you can get something out of it anyway. Oh, lots Absolutely. Out of that, Lovely. <laughs> nice one, mate. Okay. Do, you, do you need mates to come and turn you off? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> it isn't turn you on anymore. <laughs> no. well, I, don't I, don't I like that. But be careful, Lynch. <laughs> yeah. See you. Cheers. Thanks very much. Bye. Bye bye. This is a listening dog media production. Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.